Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Thursday the 21st of November. Coming up, Faversham student caught up in Hong Kong violence. There's clouds of tear gas everywhere. The conflict is insane. And there's so many people getting hurt now as well, which I think is something that has escalated really quickly. Businesses urged to come together to tackle climate change. It's one thing kind of declaring an emergency like that, but if you don't have an action plan what you're actually going to do about it, then that's quite a big missing piece. And Kent's first Haribo store opens in Ashford. How far have you come? 60 miles. And where have you come from? East Grinstead. I just love sweets. Kent Online News. A student from Faversham has told Kent Online how she's been caught up in clashes between riot police and protesters in Hong Kong. Poppy Cleary went out there in August to study law, but over the last few weeks, violence has been getting worse. The 20-year-old spoke to me earlier about what she's experienced. It's just shocking how quickly it's all escalated. So when I arrived here in August, the protests had started, but they were all very peaceful. And I'd seen peaceful ones across my university and um, in the mall next to my university. And then I woke up on Monday morning expecting to go to a 10 a.m. lecture. And within three or four days, the entire semester had been cancelled. 2020 is really uncertain. And um, half the students of my university have actually left and gone home. And you mentioned how quickly this has all escalated. What have you seen in the streets happening between, obviously, riot police and protesters? Mainly a lot of tear gas. Um, and, um, yes, yeah, so the, the biggest thing is that there's clouds of tear gas everywhere. But also something that was specific at the university that I go to here was that the protesters covered the streets for miles around their hub with bricks that they'd pulled up from the pavement in order to try and block the police from even getting near them. And then when the police do arrive, they are all kitted up in riot gear with their tear gas canisters ready to shoot. And um, yeah, it's so intimidating. The conflict is insane. And there's so many people getting hurt now as well, which I think is something that has escalated really quickly. Luckily, I live in an area that's not a direct conflict zone. Um, and after the first few days, so starting from Monday last week, after those first few initial days, I think the shock started to wear off. And so the city started to get up and moving again. So people started to go back to work as normal. The transport system was running almost as normal. And people started to go out and live our lives as we had been before Monday the 11th. Um, I feel fine and that's why I'm still here and I feel safe where I live, which is why I've decided to stay. Um, But for most students, it's been too much. And if they haven't been called back by their universities, they decided to leave themselves. I'm happy to stay because I think as long as my university is still giving us work that we can submit, and is still running in 2020, then I think I'll be capable of completing my year here, which is what I planned and is what I want to try and do until I'm almost forced not to. Um, And as a foreigner and a young girl, I think it is easier for us because if we are caught in an area of conflict, it's more obvious that we're not a protester and we're less likely to be harmed if I am in that situation. 
So I do have faith in the fact that if I am in a bit of a tricky situation or in the wrong area at the wrong time, then I will be okay. But the areas themselves are quite easy to avoid as well. We, the protesters plan where they're going to be when, and so you can just avoid that area. Lots of my friends that lived on campus at my university got tear gassed and some people have just been in the streets and had the tail end of tear gas or have had to close their windows to avoid it. But personally, I haven't been tear gassed yet and hopefully won't be. <laughs> have they told you what, what it was like at all? A few of them that did get caught up in it um, managed to leave quite quickly. But I think what really struck with some of them is the fact that they were getting tear gassed in public areas. So I had one friend that was in the mall when they were tear gassed and there were just normal like civilians walking around the mall with no way out and like children crying and being affected and things like that. So it's not even aimed at protesters anymore. The police will tear gas any area that might have a protester in. And you mentioned in your email to us that it, a lot of what's going on seems like it's not even real, like it's from a film. Yeah, completely, especially my university. So I go to City University and as I mentioned, it was a hub for the protesters. They kind of set up a fort there. They barricaded all of the exits, pulled down vending machines and gym equipment. Um, as I mentioned, they pulled up the bricks from the pavement and they turned each hall of the student residence into a different station. So one station was petrol bomb making, one was first aid, one was food, and one was clothes. And they had so many supplies because they got locals to donate to them. And they were so prepared. It's kind of um, admirable how ready they were and how dedicated they are. And it's hard for us to imagine, obviously, here in the UK, um, what it's actually like. But, but what is it like to have that going on in the city you're living? It's quite surreal, for sure. Um, I didn't expect it to escalate this much. I don't think anybody expected it to escalate this much. Otherwise, as a student, we wouldn't have been allowed to come here in the first place. Um, it's just such a shame, really, because... I think for me and all of my friends and all of the other students that I know, we settled in so quickly here and we completely see Hong Kong as our second home. So it's really sad to see not only so many people like having to leave, but also what has happened and uh, like how the authorities are treating their own citizens is really sad. And what's been going on the last few days? And do you feel like there's any way this can be resolved? Um, well, all we know from the last few days is that the focus has been on Poly U University, um, which, but apart from that, it seems to have calmed down in other areas, as far as we know out here. Um, and as I said, after the first few days last week, people have seemed to pick up and go about their normal lives more. So apart from the concerns about PolyU and uh, the students that were trapped in there and seeing some of the escapes that they planned, like crawling through the sewers or the students that abseiled down the bridge and had motorbikes at the bottom ready for them, um, uh, that's, that's all we've been focused on really and what we've seen. My university, so the University of Liverpool, uh, definitely want me to come home just to guarantee my safety and um, want me to transfer to a different university somewhere else in the world for semester B so that my studies aren't affected. Um, but for me, I'm less concerned about that. I want to stick it out here as long as I can. The thing that would make me up and leave is if the situation 
escalated any more than it has done. Um, and if I thought my safety was actually threatened, because as I said at the moment, I feel personally completely safe. Um, so if that was to change, I would leave. And yeah, I'm just following guidance from my university. If they categorically say I have to leave, I will. And if the Foreign and Commonwealth Office change the security status, then I've also agreed to leave at that point. Or well, I'd have no choice to leave at that point. So they would be the things that would uh, make me pack up. And I imagine when you decided to go out to Hong Kong and do your studies out there, this is something you must never have imagined could have happened. And it's hard hard to believe this is going on in a civilised country like Hong Kong, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely um, almost unbelievable. When I chose Hong Kong, I just wanted an Asian city. I wanted something different with a different culture. Um, and the protests were ongoing when I flew out here but the most it got to was airport sit-ins at that point and I just thought that was all rather exciting. I study law so it's all very interesting to me Um, and I was just thinking about it from a sort of human rights and young person perspective so I didn't see it escalating to this or getting this bad at all. That's uh, nothing that you think about when you're thinking about your year abroad or exchange programme. I've seen riot police, they've been at quite a few different MTR stations or in malls or around the city for quite a while now. I've never seen them specifically acting and I've never seen them, you know, shooting tear gas or anything. But we've definitely seen big groups of them kind of just stationed and waiting for something to happen. And they're so intimidating. I mean, they dress in head to toe riot gear, helmets, shields, uh, bulletproof vests, etc. Um, and so when you're just trying to do your commute to uni each morning and you walk past a big group of them at the station, it's not exactly the most um, hopeful sight. The main thing in my head is that awareness is just raised because this is obviously a really important fight. The protests are for a very good reason. And so it's a shame that it's taken this long to um, for the rest of the world to find out about it. On my end of things I've had lots of people obviously message me to make sure I'm safe and okay and what I'm plan on doing but I've had to explain to so many people what is even going on and all they know is what I've been posting on social media or that I've been personally telling them there doesn't seem to be that much explanation going on which is a shame and quite disappointing actually. Kent Online reports. A man's been taken to a London hospital with serious injuries following a crash on the Isle of Sheppey. Emergency crews, including the air ambulance, were called after three vehicles collided on Lower Road in Minster just after four yesterday afternoon. The road was shut for several hours, causing long delays in the area. Eight in ten women in Medway are having to wait longer than three weeks to get the results of their smear test. Official stats show across the whole county just over 100,000 people went to a cervical screening appointment last year. In Kent, almost two-thirds of women waited more than three weeks to find out if there was a problem. A drug dealer has been jailed after a police dog found heroin and crack cocaine in the air vents of a car in Dover. 60 wraps of the Class A substances were discovered by Cocker Spaniel Charlie when officers stopped the vehicle in September. The 23-year-old driver, who's from Croydon, has been 
sentenced to almost eight years in prison. Kent Online News. There's been a huge rise in the number of catalytic converters being stolen from cars in Kent. More than 200 vehicles have been targeted in the year to the end of October, up from just 51 in the whole of 2018 and 25 the previous year. Over a quarter of the thefts have happened in Dartford. A driver has been pulled over by police near Greenhithe and tested positive for cocaine and cannabis less than a day after passing his driving test. He was stopped not far from Bluewater last night and failed a roadside drug swipe. Officers say he was also driving without insurance after getting his licence just the previous day. There's anger from parents after it was announced children at some Catholic schools will no longer be allowed to sit the Kent test. The decision's been made by the Archbishop of Southwark, whose diocese covers the county. He doesn't want religious primaries to promote non-Catholic schools. Mums and dads say their youngsters are being discriminated against as they won't be able to go to grammar schools. Kent wildlife experts have explained how every time we click on something like a music video, we're contributing to the climate emergency. When Despacito became the first to hit 5 billion views, it was revealed that burned as much energy as 40,000 US homes over a year. Now companies in the county are being urged to join forces to see how they can start to combat the issue. It's being led by the Kent Wildlife Trust. Evan Bowen-Jones is their chief exec. Wilder Kent is um, trying to get across um, the fact that if we have more better quality habitat, we will inevitably have more wildlife. And that if we work in stronger partnerships across different sectors in the county, um, then we will be able to have a much larger area of land which is better for wildlife. So it's it's the it's the idea, simply put, that you know we can have a wilder county and we will get multiple benefits from it um, from a human perspective. The idea of of Kent Ben or K Ben uh, is that. Um, we think that you know a, a, a one of the main um, groupings in society that can be doing more to, to help us combat, you know, the, the the climate and nature crisis that we now face, which after all has been recognised in, in Parliament. Um, so it, it's kind of reached a state of recognition that it's never had before, is to bring um, uh, private sector companies um, ranging from you know single. Um, sole source traders through to uh, small medium enterprises to big business all together to share their ideas, good practice, concerns, um, questions about how um, we collectively can make business and uh, society more generally more sustainable. Um, Because it's one thing kind of declaring an emergency like that, but if you don't have an action plan what you're actually going to do about it, um, then that's quite a big missing piece. And we could sit around and we could wait until that's kind of brought together nationally. But actually, stronger initiatives normally are those that are built from the ground up. Mm. So um, if we can get businesses in Kent who are interested in contributing to those bigger problems and also um, to seeing that translate through to their bottom line, because usually there's, there's a, a, a positive financial benefit to increasing the sustainability, effectively you save money, then um, it's a win-win and we can lead the way, hopefully. We, as Kent Wildlife Trust, KWT, are a business in our own right as well. And, you know, we uh, recognise that we can be doing more in terms of making our operations, if you like, more sustainable. If you look across 
what we then do as an organisation, we're right in the centre of delivering solutions to the issues that we're talking about. But a lot of other businesses, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not in that kind of uh, happy position of saying, well, what we do immediately contributes to the solution, but they can be part of that kind of broader solution, as I say. So the idea was bring people together in the room who have the interest, first of all, ask them what they see as the main issues that they, they, they want to confront, ask them whether they want to have a, a forum in which they can discuss these things together and share ideas. And you know, if there was sufficient interest, then to basically um, carry on facilitating that conversation, um, but very much make it a business-led thing and make the ideas come from the business community uh, and, and for them to generate the program going forwards in terms of what we do next. And, it, and when we sit in that room, really, I want to be you know, um, a business amongst many rather than necessarily leading it as such. We will will help it to, to work. We also obviously want to link it to delivering our own mission and getting as many businesses as possible to buy into the idea that we can create a wilder Kent. But actually the main thing I think from that forum is to get businesses talking to each other and, and taking on a leadership role themselves. But we've had um, several businesses talk at the launch events already and it's interesting that you know um, um, businesses in sectors where you think, well, their environmental impact might not be huge, are identifying that actually if they start to look down their, uh, if you like, their supply chain or the way that they, the the sector that they're plugged into, there are always um, you know, secondary impacts, some of which can be quite significant. So, for example, we had a um, a tech firm stand up and talk about that they they basically have. Um, uh, enormous uh, servers which basically have, uh, house cloud computing and they were saying that um, if you look at you know um, the, the the video for the music video for Despacito which has just passed apparently 5 million views um, every time anyone clicks on YouTube and goes into that that equates to a certain number of milligrams of carbon being expended through the energy that it takes for all the servers to drive to play that video for you and that's been played so many times that's the equivalent to uh, something like uh, seven wind farms running for a year so when where we don't think we're having a climate climate impact or environment impact we often are and if you're a company that is kind of part of that um, in that case you know in in that IT business that IT company is saying well we'd like to do something about that we'd like to be part of the solution to counterbalancing the generation of all, all of that carbon which is going into the atmosphere. So what do we do? Do we plant trees? Uh, you know, what's the solution there? Um, and I think that's where the discussion is. So it's not us saying, well, this is how you should do it. We don't know often, but we do know that there are people who are exploring all the, the, the options out there already. Kent Online reports. Drivers have been getting away with parking on double yellow lines outside a Kent school because leaves are covering the road markings. Traffic wardens are unable to give people tickets near St Stephen's Primary in Canterbury as the council is worried about having to overturn the fine if they appeal. Parents say it's ridiculous and is putting children's safety at risk. The company that bought Tom 
Thomas Cook's UK stores is creating another 1,500 positions. Hayes Travel has already taken on more than 2,300 of the tour operator's staff following its collapse in September. It's now offering an apprenticeship scheme at each of its branches, including the 13 in Kent, as well as roles at its HQ and in foreign currency exchange operations. A copy of the Magna Carta bestowed to Faversham hundreds of years ago could be sold off. The 700-year-old document's one of just seven in existence, but the council say it can't be displayed in the town. They're thinking of leasing it to museums or selling it, with an estimated price tag of £20 million. And Kent's first Haribo store has opened at Ashford's Designer Outlet. It's one of only five shops in the country and the only one in the southeast, as well as packets of sweets. There's also a pick-and-mix wall and merchandise on sale. Dozens of people queued up this morning to be among the first inside. Georgia's been chatting to some of them who've come from far and wide. How far have you come? 60 miles. And where have you come from? East Grinstead. And what made you want to get here this early? Well, great with great persuasion of a free goodie bag and I love sweets. Yeah. <laughs> and um, have you been to any other store openers before this early? No. Harry Bow your first one? Yeah, definitely. And what do you like about Harry Bow? Uh, I just love sweets. Yeah. <laughs> and were you excited to hear that this store was like the first one to open in the South? Yeah, East? yes, yeah. definitely. Okay, who have you come with today? My dad, Clive. <laughs> and um, you say you left East Grimsted? Just before 8 o'clock in the morning. Got here for half nine and queued straight away. And how did you find out about it? Online, like, m- might have been your website, yeah. I'm not sure. And how long have you been queuing for? Since about 9.15. Um, why did you want to get there so early? My grandchildren want goodie bags. <laughs> <laughs> and um, have you been to any other store openers this early before? No. No, he's excited to come here. Yeah. And um, what do you like about Harry Bow? Is it mainly for your grandchildren? They just love them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I like them, but not, not, I don't eat that many. <laughs> <laughs> and was you excited to hear that this is the first store opening in the South East? Oh, yes, yeah. And um, do you plan to bring them up here? They're at school at the moment, your grandchildren. Um, they will come up here, but not with me, sir. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're not young. <laughs> You can see pictures from inside the new store at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online Sport. Cricket and Kent's Joe Denley has scored a half century for England on day one of the first test in New Zealand. They finished play overnight on 241 for four, with Rory Burns and Ben Stokes also impressing with the bat. Kent Zach Frawley is in the squad but won't feature in this match. That's it for now, but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.